The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. What if it's actually true that Jesus actually meant what he said when he said, whatever you ask for, whatever, when you pray, stuff's going to happen. Now, again, a pastor like me is supposed to get up at church and say those kind of things. Uh, but Jesus said that kind of stuff and said, so what, what does that mean? We've seen those verses. He, he's telling us, you can get whatever you want. Just pray for it. Ask God for it. Guys, there are stories of people here at Crosspoint Church sitting amongst you today that had things going on in their life and they prayed about it and God stepped in and answered those prayers. Some of those stories have been captured in a book written by a woman named Shirley Richards. She goes to our church. The, the titles up, the, the screenshot of the covers up here on the screen here, Discovering the Glory in the Story. And in this book, it's not yet, um, you can probably get it in three weeks on Amazon. I encourage you to go check it out and get it. Tells the stories of people whose lives have been dramatically impacted by God. The Glory in the Story by Shirley Richards. Stories of people having MS and losing their sight and just, okay, then let's just try to pray and see what happens. And bam, like that, the MS is gone and all that. And again, we're getting all the, yeah, but what about this and what about that in a second. But he tells us here so clearly, if you pray according to my will, if you pray, he says, using my name. Now, for those of you who grew up going to church, what you thought that meant was you pray and go bang, 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 and then the little incantation at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name is not an incantation of like, boom, like this kind of thing. In Jesus' name simply means, God, we're coming to you on behalf of Jesus for the God's will in your agenda and we're representing you and asking you to, to do some stuff here uh, in your name for your cause, not for our cause. We'll get to that a bit more in a bit. And then you can also see in those verses we looked at, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, pray for whatever you want. He also, 1 John 3.22, a verse that just got read up here. All those verses they just read are all referenced there in your note sheet. I'd encourage you to get those out and take a look at them later on this week. If you are wondering what's the note sheet, for those of you who are new here, it's in the back of the program there to jot some things down. But 1 John 3.22, he says, look, we can be sure we can get whatever we ask for if we obey him and do what pleases him. So there, it's not just an athlete, just pray whatever you want and God's just going to do it. There are some conditions in there. And then delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And I was like, man, okay, I got a lot of desires in my heart. I got a lot of things I want God to want me to do. So, okay, God, how do I take the little delight, delight myself in you juice cup? Like, psh, download that thing in. Okay, now give me, give me whatever I want. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is when you delight yourself in the Lord, delighting yourself in the Lord is not something you're going to go like that and do. It takes some time. You delight yourself in God. You know what starts to happen? You start to recognize that, hmm, the things that I used to think were so important, that I desired fervently, have shifted and changed because sometimes what it means to delight yourself in the Lord, it doesn't just mean he's going to give you your heart's desires. What it's going to mean is he's going to give you desires. He's going to reorder the desires of your heart as you line up more with who he is and what he wants from you. And then I love that last verse that Justin read for us today, Isaiah 65, 24. I came across this a couple years ago and it just I had never read it before. When he says, says this, he says, look, while they're still praying, 
Before they've even prayed, the answer's already been delivered. Parents, you know what that's like, right? Around Christmas and birthday times. Your kids come, you go, I want this and this and this, and you know, I've already got it, right? Because you know your kids, and you, you love to bless them and please them. We have a God who loves to step in and answer prayers. But there's a, okay, we could do that and go, God wants to answer prayers, yahoo, let's bring the host forward, the band up, wrap it up, and go home. The truth is there's a yeah, but in every single one of your hearts right now. Because every single one of you have prayed for things, and it hasn't happened. What about stuff like that? When you're struggling with stuff, when, when something's going on and you're, you just want God to do something and it doesn't happen, I'm going to give you six reasons that while we say prayer actually works, why sometimes prayer doesn't work. The first one is, number one, we don't actually pray. We, we, we think about it. We scheme about it. We do everything out there trying to make it happen, and then it doesn't happen. We, I tell people all the time, what we do is we don't make prayers, we make wishes. When we almost go, oh God, okay, here's what needs to happen, and we dictate to God our agenda about how we should do it, and God goes, you're so cute. James chapter 4, it's towards the back of your Bibles. We're going to look at this verse uh, today for a bit. If you get to Revelation and go backwards, there's um, the books of Revelation, then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 2nd Peter. If you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. Find James chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? And you know what your answer to that question is? Them or my circumstances or, he says, don't they come from the evil desire is at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Let's stop making wishes and start making prayers and just talk to God about stuff. Uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, you have a God who's waiting for you to talk to him. And he says there, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. He cares about you. Uh, and then uh, the... The, uh, the, the prophet, M.C. Hammer. It was playing on our playlist today if you came in and got here on time. Time and time and time again, I kept on knocking, but these people wouldn't let me in. I tried and tried and tried to make a way, but nothing happened until that day I prayed, and that's why I prayed just to make it today. Yeah, white boy doing hip-hop rap, huh? Today, guys, we believe every week here that God wants to step in and answer prayers for you. We always invite you to come to the back of the house and receive prayer, and we're going to invite you to do that today. We're also going to tell you this week what we're going to do is do something what the Bible calls what James talks about. If you flip over to James chapter 5, he says in verse 14, Are any of you sick, suffering, struggling? He says this, You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And so today we're going to invite you to be bold in this. If you have stuff going on in your heart and soul and mind today, stuff going on that you need help for, physical, mental, emotional, relational, kids, families, work, personal stuff, and you just want God to do something here, I'm going to be down here at the front with people on our prayer team, people in the back, people will be there in the back. And we're going to have these, we have this little um, vials of oil 
what we're going to do is just simply say, we'll get your permission first, a little dab of that oil, and say we're going to put it on your forehead or on the back of your palm and pray. And some of you are going, that's kind of weird. And again, if you're new at this, I get it, it's kind of weird. But can I tell you right now, full disclosure, there's a lot of things about Christianity that are weird. A lot of things. Like we worship a guy who died on a cross, that's weird. That's not weird anymore because we've done it for now 2,000 years. We're going to gather together today and we're going to eat some bread and drink some juice that represents the body and blood of somebody who say died and rose again 2,000 years ago. Now, if you've been doing that a lot, you go, well, that's what we do here. If you're new, like, this is weird. This, so sometimes God's going to tell you to do some weird things, things that make you feel uncomfortable, a little, oh, whatever. That. Be bold enough to step in there and go, I'm going to just believe that. Sometimes you've got to be desperate enough. I know there's a family here, I'm not going to point them out because we chatted last week with this guy and heard his story. Heard his story of coming to our church and really hadn't been to church in a while. Uh, had a child and with his, with, together and the child started having seizures. Little baby, little what, one, two-year-old baby having seizures. And nothing will make you desperate for God than when you see for 10 minutes, that little baby seizing, you go, what, what's happening here? No matter what the doctors say, that he'll work through this and he'll just get through this. And so out of desperation, they found our church and came and they heard about prayer and they just went, okay, went back and prayed. You know when the seizure stopped? That day. God stepped in. I was hearing, talking to somebody else that I have anointing with oil. She said, years ago, I had this problem with vertigo. I had surgery scheduled. The doctors were going to do this and then, then the, they, the, the church she was going to that time did this thing with the prayer and the anointing with oil kind of thing. And she said it was weird. By that next, four days later, I was done. I went back to the doctor. He said, I have no explanation for this. See, God wants to step in and answer our prayers. And where does he be bold enough to actually apply and do what he says when he says, okay, the oil thing? I don't know what that means. Back in the day, people thought maybe it was, okay, is the oil like medicinal? It certainly isn't for that, that for us anymore, except for you essential oils freaks. But... Um, <laughs> And I get it. I'm married to one of those, so I get that. But just the idea, like, let's just be bold enough to go, God said to, to do it, and I don't, it just seems a little weird. What it, for us, not medicinal. It's a symbol of God's power and the symbol of the power of God's spirit to step in there and let's do this. So I encourage you to come and get prayer today. Sometimes the reason prayer doesn't work, we don't actually pray. Sometimes, number two, the reason prayer doesn't work is we don't keep praying. Those of you that grew up going to church, and in the old school Bibles, like some of the older Bibles, uh, that verse that we read today, which says, ask, seek, and knock. And it's the idea of, okay, God, I asked, and I seeked, and I, nothing happened. That's because we're not paying attention to grammar and verb tenses. Because the word is not ask, boom, and wait. It's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Pound, 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 pound. Pound, 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 pound. And you tell God, I'm not going away until you stop, tell me to stop knocking. I'm going to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And Jesus says this in the Bible. He says this. Sometimes what happens, he says, when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns back here, is he going to find faith? Or we go, well, I didn't get it my first time or my first ten times, so I just got done and I quit asking. He says, be persistent in prayer. Luke 18 tells a story. <laughs> Jesus tells a story twice. One time of a of a guy who had some people come into town and he didn't have any food in the house and went to his neighbor's house to get food. And it was like late at night and the guy just kept knocking until the guy came to the door to give him 
what he needed to food for his neighbors. Another time it's a, a single mom who's been victimized by somebody and she goes to the, the courthouse and she can't get a court date and she goes, I'm not leaving, 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 I'm going to bug you and 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 finally Jesus says, all right. The judge says, all right, and, and, and Jesus says, that's how God wants you to treat him. Bug him. What he's asking us to do is just say, one more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. Now, parents, with your children, when they have asked and asked and asked, is the one more time an invitation or a threat? It's a threat, right? God said, no, I, I, can't, I don't know what this is because he's a better parent than you are. Way better. Bug me and keep on bugging 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 me. God's never late but never early either. Well, once in a while he's early. Once in a while, like, dang, something happened. Like, that happened way faster than I thought. He's never late. He does things in his time frame, not ours. And sometimes what this means, I don't understand why that is, why he tells us to keep coming. Because like, like, some people go, well, I shouldn't even pray at all because doesn't he already know in advance? When you speak the universe into existence out of nothing, you get to decide how prayer works. He says, just keep coming. Stuff happens because you pray. And I sometimes wonder this, if perhaps the reason it doesn't happen like that on our time frame is that delayed gratification is going to be a good thing for our spiritual development. Think about it. If every time you prayed on the first or second time you got what you wanted, some of you go, oh, shoot, I didn't really want that. And then some of you are going to go, you know, it was weird. The delayed gratification kept me from being a little spoiled brat. Is that going to be good for us to get everything we want in our time frame every single time? Now, some of you go, it would be good for me, but I know some people it wouldn't be good for. But So it's sometimes just good, it wouldn't be good for us. Number three, the reason we don't get what we want is we just pray about me. James chapter 4. We'll look at that again. James chapter 4, he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And then verse 3 says this, and even when you ask you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Nothing wrong with asking for God for your needs and pleasures and things you want. But if your whole thing is just self-centered prayer, God goes, mm, you're not praying about things that matter to me. All you care about is... We sometimes think that when we become a Christian and start seeking God, that God is our errand boy to provide pillows and mints and food and friends and just, boom, just come here and snap your fingers, God, and make all this happen. There's a great song we're going to sing today when it comes to stuff like this. It says, nothing else. And the lyrics say this. God, I'm not here for blessing. You don't owe me anything. More than anything you can do, I just want you. And what you discover in prayer that moves beyond self-centered, self-focused prayer is that, man, getting God is better than getting his stuff. And again, that's weird to you if you're newer at this because you go, the only reason I'm here is because somebody drugged me here or I got problems in my life. I need God to snap his fingers and make some things happen for me. And I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing you get in Christianity is not the answer to all your prayers. It's Jesus himself. Number four, the reason we sometimes don't get what we want is we're messing around with sin. We're just messing around with sin. Psalm 66, 18 says it this way. If I cherish 
sin in my heart. The Old School Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you have known areas of either outright sin or outright stupidity and foolishness, and you know it's wrong, and you know it's unwise, and yet you continue to do it, and then you come to God and go, God, okay, God, but I want you to fix my marriage and fix this. And he goes, going, until you start doing what I tell you to do, I'm not answering your prayers. Because sometimes the answer to your prayers is you start doing what I tell you to do. But he says, but even when you want me to do stuff, he said, there's known areas. If there's stuff that you're doing where you're messing around with sin, and if this is, again, this is not, let me hear this. This is not, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with sin. I got a besetting habit or something that keeps tripping me up. It's not struggling with it. It's the idea of like, I know it's wrong, but you know what? I'm Finnish or Danish or I'm my parents the way I was raised or the church I was raised in or my teacher when I was here over here. Or Steve, you don't understand. Don't you understand, man? In the 21st century, God's standards and rules don't really apply anymore. We have to reinterpret them because, come on, it's the 21st century. This is kind of dumb and silly and stupid. And it's going to... He's going to say, look, if you're not going to do it my way, you're not getting the answer to your prayers. Now, ladies, for just half a second here, you can go check football scores if you want, do some shopping if you want. On the, with the Internet's free here. You can do, log into our thing here. Men, this is for you for a second. So, ladies, you can listen in if you want. This is for the dudes. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Every man, find that in your Bible on your mobile device. 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says this. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. In that culture back then, this is crazy. We have to climb into the culture and go 2,000 years ago, in the Greek and Roman and even Jewish culture, it was such a patriarchal, male-dominated society that women were barely above property level, above like your, your goat and your donkey and your farm. They were not below that, but they were like, they were barely above that in terms of how the culture viewed that. This is not Christianity. This is just the dominant plausibility structure of their culture. That's what, how women were treated. And Peter right here goes, Jesus came and just flipped that all on its head. Because back then, it, you would expect it to say, in the same way, you wives must give honor to your husbands. He flips that all around. Husbands. He says this, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your radical thing, he just says, your equal partner in God's gift of, of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers won't be hindered. Guys, if you're being a jerk to your wife or you're being just irresponsible, whatever, and not being the man that you're supposed to be with your person you're married to, stop praying and get that right. Because God goes, here's the deal. Hmm. My little granddaughter, Faith, is here in the house today. She's not so little anymore. But, um, if, if you here or some other boy that she, that's high school with dating or whatever, and starts to like, you feel all excited about her, but then he starts treating her terribly, and then he wants to come to me and borrow money for something or get, use the car for a date or something like that. That'll happen when she's 37, not right now. But um, <laughs> is that guy going to get one thing from me? You treat my girl like that, I'm going to hurt you, pal. You're not, not going to get anything from me except judgment and justice and pain and suffering. Um, so, ladies, you can tune back in now again. Number five, 
The fifth reason sometimes prayer doesn't work is we need something different or better. Sometimes we have to trust that, like, like a parent, when your kids ask you for things that are certain, you go, ah, that wouldn't be good for you right now. As much as you think you have to have that, God knows better and uh, gives you something different or better. The Apostle Garth Brooks talks about this. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And right now, you should exercise this week. What is something you've fervently prayed for in the last 10 years? You go, thank God I got no on that. Can you imagine if he said yes to that? So those are five big reasons why prayer doesn't work. And the sixth one is probably the most important one today. Number six is, I have no idea why God doesn't answer prayer sometimes. Because it's easy, well, self-centered prayer or unconfessed sin. But you'll look, I'm praying. I'm praying diligently. I'm not walking in flagrant disobedience. I'm, I'm, not, I'm treating my spouse. I, this isn't working. What's going on here, God? You go, how could this not be answered? How could this not be according to your will? The job you need, the money you need for your family. Chronic pain and suffering and illness some of us struggle with. Um, mental illness and anxiety. The, the ache of so badly want kids. So badly want a child of our own that we could love. And for some reason that hasn't happened. You're going, look, I know some awful Christians who have prayed and they have a whole house full of kids. We're over, we'd be great parents. Like, what is going on there, God? And then the tricky part, too, you finally get kids. And then they, at some point in there, they're just going to break the snot out of your heart. <sighs> when wayward children. You go, I prayed for these kids and they're, they're killing me right now. And you're going, God, what can you do something there? When, and they go really off the deep end sometimes. You're going, well, how come, God? How come you're not answering that prayer? What's going on? There's family here in our church. Have a young adult daughter who has cancer. It doesn't look like it's going to recover. They don't know. God could obviously step in and do a miracle again. But I, <sighs> I know a, a lady. She's um, at 30 years old. At, at 27, her husband got brain cancer. He recovered. Things seem to be okay, but at 30 years old, it came on with a vengeance. Again, she had two little children, Stephen and Brittany. They were, at that point, what, two years old and five years old when it all started to break loose again. And at the age of eight and 11, their dad, Mark, died of horrible cancer. And the kids had watched that and do the hairs of single mom on limited income with these two little kids. And I, got to I had to see that up close and personal. It was the church I used to work at down in Vista um, to watch these kids just brokenhearted and this woman just, it was awful. And I know it's the story so well because some years later now, she married me. But she was widowed. Her first husband died of brain cancer. And we can say that so glibly like, oh, first husband died of brain cancer, yada, yada, look what God did. I'm not sure he, she got an answer to her prayers with me, but that's a different <laughs> one. <laughs> Every one of you, though, will have moments like this where you're going to pray for something and God doesn't come through and there is no good explanation for it. So this is your even if moment. There's a song, I think your group is called Casting Crowns, that says, I know you're able and I know you can save with your power and your mighty hand, but even if you don't, 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm trusting you and you alone. What we recognize here is God is good and God is wise, even if I don't understand one dang thing right now. Tim Keller, a famous pastor, you should read everything that guy ever writes. Tim Keller said it this way, we can be sure our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything God knows. So some of that is some humility. You can recognize that. Here's the hard part too. When you have moments like this and when it feels like all hell's breaking loose and nothing's happening, the biggest temptation of that moment, a crisis of faith, is to walk away. And I've had heartbreaking conversations with people here at, our, at Cross Point who've done that. I've had conversations with some of you who've talked about somebody in your life where God didn't answer the prayer you wanted to happen. And they said, I'm out. I'm done. But I want to tell you this. If that's here today, because you might be here hanging on by the nearest thread today and going, if God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm out. Hang on. Because I've watched it happen over and over again. Powerful examples scattered all across this room today of people who held on and held on and held on, who faced awful trials and difficulties, and their faith in God grew stronger, not because God answered their prayer, but because he didn't. And you go, that's crazy, dude. I don't get faith. It's crazy sometimes. What God will do sometimes to, to galvanize faith and make your faith way more sturdy and strong despite your circumstances, not because of them. Those are some reasons that prayer doesn't work. But guys, that's some reasons like that maybe pay attention to those and see in your own life. Maybe we should tune up our prayers a little bit and, and get that thing a little more dialed in. Uh, but prayer that actually works. Jesus was with his 12 closest friends. They call them the disciples in the, in the book, in the Bible. And back then, people really didn't pray because there was priests that prayed and synagogue leaders and rabbis that prayed. You kind of like you do little ceremonial prayers. And they watched Jesus pray and go, dude, the way you pray is different. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus gave him, hey, here's how you should pray when he asked him that. And it's a famous prayer that a lot of you know, even if you've never gone to church or haven't been to church in a long time. You might even want to say it along with me if you want, just to yourself or out loud. It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there's a big benediction that oftentimes is associated with that. I thought, Jesus did not give us this prayer to just go, yada, 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 yada. Our Father, art in heaven, how be your name? What's for lunch? And who's playing right? <laughs> it's not words to recite. Nothing wrong with reciting the words if there's a heart along with it. I want to give you the heart behind it now. To use it not so much as, as words to recite, but as a pattern to build prayer around, prayer that actually works. If Jesus, the God of the universe, tells us to talk to him this way, we might want to pay attention to that. The first thing he says is our Father in heaven is all about worship. That what this means is when you say our Father in heaven is God, different way we're saying this, God, we're blown away by you. We're blown away by you. We're blown away by you because you're in heaven, transcendent, just crazy, big, massive, huge, that he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. And he's so distant. The old Bette Midler song had an element of truth to it. That we're, God's at a distance. At a distance, God is watching. But God's not just at a distance because he says, I'm your pop. I'm your dad. Abba, Father. Not just Father. 
but like Papa God, Daddy, Father kind of thing, which is, I, when people pray that way, I go, that's just feels weird to me. But some people go, like, it's what he wants here. And he wants, look at me, he wants both of these things working together. This is not like just Almighty God and oh, whatever. And he doesn't want to, hey, Jesus is my home, but hey, pal, what's going on? This is what the theologians call the doctrine, the theology of transcendence and imminence. That God is transcendent, bigger than you can possibly fathom. He says, hey, let's talk. Come here. Sit on my lap and just chat with me. Both of those things are true. And the reason we have to have those guys is the reason you start your prayers like this is you have to know who you're talking to. And when you get both of those things together, then prayer comes alive for you. A God who's bigger than the universe and a God who's small enough to let me sit on his lap and chat with him. He then says, hallowed be your name, which means this. Another way to say it maybe is we want everyone to be stoked about you. In a world that magnifies and glorifies you and me and tells us you're awesome, you're fantastic, you're beautiful and amazing, be true to yourself. Like, you know, God, we want everyone to be, to be just stoked about you. This is the idea of humility when you come to God. Going, God, I got some things in my heart and mind. We're going to get to those in a second. But the best thing for me, the best thing for the world, for my kids is to recognize, God, it's all about you. Not one bit of this is about me. Now, it's for you, but it ain't about you. You're not the center of this thing. This is humility. God, we want to say, um, may, uh, hallowed be your name. May, may you people be stoked about you. Not me, not my name, not my family, not my company, not my small group, not my church, not me, everything for you. It means God, when God said, when Paul tells the people in the, a letter he writes to Colossians, to the people in Colossae, he says, hey, whatever you do, eating, drinking, do it all to the glory of God. That's what we're saying here. God, I want everything to glorify you and, and, and be all about that. God be glorified in the world. And he says, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Usually we pray, okay, we get okay, to worship God, be stoked by God, and God, we want your will. And then we come with, okay, God, now here's, make my kingdom come and my will be done. I got my list, I got things. I'm going to get to those, he says. Those aren't unimportant. He's going to tell us here, Write this down. We want your agenda and will, not just ours. This kind of, these two, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come, your will be done, kind of go together. What we're saying is, God, we want you to influence things in the world. And understand something when he says this. What this means is, if you don't pray, God's will will not get done. If we have to pray about it to be done, because some people go, well, isn't God's will going to be done anyway? probably maybe what God's will is going to be done is because you st- take some time and talk to him about it. He's going to tell us, pray. If, if, if God's will was just going to be done, this line wouldn't be in the prayer. He wouldn't tell us to come to talk to God about getting his will accomplished down here. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. He says, this is what we're talking about here, meet our needs. I got some needs and desires and plans. I've got some worries. I got kids, I got life, I got health issues. Financial issues, I got all these issues and things that I need prayer for. Uh, so just meet my needs, physical, mental, emotional, all the things that cause me stress and anxiety. There's a, f- a great verse, I've got it memorized. It won't be up on the screen today because I forgot to put it up there. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I encourage you to get it and read it yourself and memorize it. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. He says, in the peace of God, which is passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And if you pray that way, I'm telling you right now, you know what's going to happen? 
it's not going to work. You know why? Because we left part of the Bible out. He says, don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for everything he's done. Because if you're not careful when you pray, you know what you can do? My kids or my financial issue or God for all this stuff going on here. You start praying about it, talking to God about it. Oh gosh, what about this and what about it? Next thing you know what's happening to your heart and soul? There's no peace in there. There's just like this. It's so big like this. He goes, what you do is take a moment to thank God for stuff. Now look, God's not up in heaven going, you know what, I'm kind of feeling like a lack of self-esteem today. I need some appreciation and encouragement. He doesn't need that from you. You know why you need to thank God? Because you need to thank God. To remind yourself who he is and that over and over again in your past, he has been there for you. And he'll be there for you again. We sang the song today, walking around these walls. Guys, I've seen you do it before. I believe you'll do it again. I have a little thing called the gratitude challenge that I've talked to you guys about here. Is however old you are, it'll be a good exercise. Get a blank piece of paper out. And whether you make little lists like this, for those of you that are more linear, or like me that's just more random. I have 61 things on my gratitude list. Sits above my desk. Reminds me. And they're big, massive things. For Jesus and for the gospel and for my wife and my kids and my little grandbaby Stevie Rose. And I, all those things are on there right now. You know what's also on there? Chili cheese dogs. <laughs> Whiskey pepper corn top sterling. A good decaf, half-sweetened mocha from the press. Extra hot. That's my list. Make your own list. You put your own things on there. It reminds you of how good God has been to you so that you don't get more stressed in prayer. Then you'll experience peace. Then he says, forgive us our sins. Write this down. But we tell come to God as God, okay, here's the things I need. God, forgive me. Forgive us like we forgive others. What that means is I'm going to screw up. Help me. I don't want to just rationalize sin or excuse sin. I also don't want the enemy to come in and weaponize that against me and just go, oh, you're terrible, you're a sinner. What are you even doing? You're talking to God. No. He says, confess your sin over and over again. And Jesus told Peter, he says this. Peter says, how many times do I forgive somebody who sins? Like seven times? Jesus goes, no. 70 times seven. 490 times you're supposed to forgive people. If he tells us puny, ridiculous human beings to forgive 490 times, God's going to give you 490 kajillion billion times for the same dumb thing you did. Oh, you can't out-send the grace of God. You just come and go, God, I screwed it here. I did it again. And you go, help me, forgive me, God. And they're also going to come to God here and say, God, give me a higher capacity to forgive. He says, forgive me in the same way I forgive other people. Jesus said it this way one time. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. He said it this way also. He says, the measure you use is the measure I'll use with, on others is the measure I'll use with you. So we all, have, we all have two buckets today. We have buckets. We have a grace and mercy bucket over here and a justice bucket bucket over here. If your grace and mercy bucket is this for people, but your justice bucket is over here, I mean, you, got, you don't just have the little five-gallon buck, you got the 50-gallon one. Because I, I got some things to say, some people have wronged me and hurt me. God goes, okay, fine. Then when you need some grace and mercy, you're going to get 50 gallons of justice on you. If you want forgiveness and the grace and mercy of God, dispense it in the way that it's been dispensed to you. Forgiven people, forgive people. He says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. What this means is, God, we are spiritual, spiritually vulnerable and weak. There's so much that's our aligned against us. There's so much evil in the world. And this is the idea. What you're going to say here is we need help, God. We cannot do this on our own. We need your help to battle the things that are against us. And this is the idea in prayer called spiritual 
warfare. Now, most of us hear spiritual warfare, we think Satan and demons. And Satan and demons are certainly part of that. But guys, can I tell you today, you have an unholy trinity aligned against you and what's coming against your heart and soul. So when you do spiritual warfare, when you're praying for God to deliver you from evil, there's three ways. Write these down. Then we'll be on the screen because I didn't think about it. Here's the unholy trinity. It's the world out there, your flesh or your nature in here, and then the devil, Satan and demons out there as well, things you can't see. Guys, we live in a world, so when you're praying for yourself, for your children, for people at your work, co-workers, whatever, recognize there's a system out there that's out of alignment with God, completely out of alignment. Sin has broken this world, values and culture. You're being lied to over and over and over and over and over again. So you pray against that stuff. God, protect me from that stuff. Deliver me from the stupid, ridiculous, cul-de-sacs of stupidity and sin that I keep getting jacked up in here. Deliver me from that. Protect me from that. But you know what the biggest problem with you is? You. It's not just the world out there. It says, God, save me from myself. Protect me from my own sin nature. God, my heart is deceitful and lies to myself and wicked. Who can really grasp it? So God, don't just protect me from the world out there and evil things out there. Protect me from my evil self in here. And then Satan and demons are real. And I don't understand how all that works. It's an unseen realm that most of us will never really ever encounter blatantly like you see in all the crazy movies. But recognizing oftentimes what Satan and demons will do will weaponize the world and your own flesh and heart and soul against you. And dabble things in there because they know what works for this guy over here is not going to work for you over here. So I'm not going to tempt you the same way I go after him or lie to him or speak things into his heart and soul that wouldn't, he's going to have whatever. But I know for you that'll work. So deliver us from evil. God, we need help. There's an artist, uh, big and rich. It's, a, it's not a Christian artist. That's why you get, don't get all the lyrics to this song. It says, these demons from my past haunt me every night, and I just can't get through it. If I could forget them on my own, i just let go and move on. But heaven knows I'm only human, and that's why I pray. And that's, guys, that's why we're going to pray this Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Justin already told you about it. Be here and talk to God. God, This day of radical, radical prayer. And some of you are going, radical prayer, that's like, like Navy SEAL kind of prayer. Some of you are going, I would just love to be like average prayer. Can we have this day of average prayer? It's just like, mm, whatever. Um, not sure about, some of you are not sure about this prayer stuff. You're like, oh, I've tried it, mm, whatever. Sam Smith, an artist with an artist named Logic, says it this way, there's dread in my heart and fear in my bones, and I just don't know what to say. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you, but no, maybe I'll pray. Even if you're not sure about it, just jump in the pool with us. Be here some part of the day this Friday. And some of you are going, but Steve, I just don't know how to pray. Look at me for a second. Do you know how to talk? If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. So forget about coming to pray. Just come here and talk to God about stuff. Don't worry about all the religious stuff that goes around prayer sometimes. Just come and talk to God about stuff together. Several years ago, I came across a poem, and we don't tend to do a lot of poems and stuff here, like, because people go, poetry is kind of weird, but I, I found this one, and it was so powerful to me. I just want to share it with you today. A minister passing through his church in the middle of the day decided to pause by the altar and see who'd come to pray. 
Just then the back door opened. A man came down the aisle. Mm. The minister frowned as he saw the man hadn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby and his coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt. He bowed his head, then rose and walked away. In the days that followed, each noontime came this chap. Each time he knelt for just a moment, a lunch pail in his lap. Well, the minister's suspicions grew, with robbery a main fear. He decided to stop the man and ask him, what you doing here? The old man, he worked down the road. Lunch was half an hour. Lunchtime is my prayer time for finding strength and power. I stay only a moment, see, because the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is kind of what I say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy that I've been. Since we found each other's friendship, you took away my sin. I, I don't know much how to pray, but I, I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Jim, just checking in. The minister, feeling foolish, told Jim that was just fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray just any time. Time to go, Jim smiled, said thanks. He hurried to the door. The minister knelt at the altar. He'd never done that before. His cold heart melted, warmed with love. He met with Jesus there. As the tear flowed in his heart, he repeated, Old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy that I've been. Since we found each other's friendship, you took away my sin. I don't know much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Steve, and I'm just checking in. Past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim hadn't come. As more days passed without Jim, he, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him, learning he was ill. The hospital staff was worried, but he'd given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them brought changes in the ward. His smiles, a joy contagious, changed people, his reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad. When no flowers, calls, or cards came, not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. No friends came to show they cared. Nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up and with a winsome smile. <laughs> that nurse is wrong. She couldn't know that all the while. Every day at noon he's here. A dear friend of mine, you see. He sits right down, takes my hand, leans over and says to me, I just came to tell you, Jim, how happy that I've been. Since we found each other's friendship and I took away your sin, I always love to hear you pray. And I think about you every day. And Jim, this is Jesus just checking in. Guys, my hope and prayer for us in this is that God does some dramatic things to answer prayer. But my hope and prayer is that you get to the bottom line of all these things. You get Jesus in this. Our band's going to come up, and we're going to give you a chance today here to sing some songs uh, together about prayer. Powerful, beautiful, amazing songs going to give you a chance to come and receive communion. It's in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. And guys, the body and blood of Jesus forgives our sins. It also tells us that he, he broke down the barrier, that we were rebels and traitors. We had no access to come to God. He said, now you can come to me not like as if, uh, oh gosh, I hope I'm all okay. I hope I did everything right. Now you come to me like a bold little kid. 
because you've been given access. Not because you're a good person, because he's a great person. And he died on the cross. He saved you of your sins. And he gives you free access. Just come in on any time and do that together. And like I said, we're going to give you a chance to come and receive prayer in the house today. And that prayer will be either at the back of the room with our prayer team or here in the front of our house with me or other people of our prayer team and give you a chance to go, God, I want some breakthrough things to happen in my life. And we'll take a chance to do a bit of that anointing with oil. Like I said, a little dab on your forehead, a little dab on your hand. And we're just praying and believing that God's going to do some breakthrough stuff here this weekend as we just step out boldly. So don't, don't hold back in fear. Don't hold back. Again, nobody's looking at you. You know why they're not looking at you? Because they're just thinking about who's looking at them. Just come and receive the prayer. Watch God do some things to break through. And just watch what he does there. Right here, right now, today. Jesus, today. We want you. We don't come for a blessing. God, you don't owe us anything. We're going to pray about some things. But more than anything you can do, we, we just want you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.